Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. Really excited to introduce another couple of guests today. So we've got a really amazing couple here. Uh, they actually met in the French Alps while they're away skiing. Uh, they moved to Glasgow. He attended an auction, property auction, with the intent of buying a flat in the south side of Glasgow. Ended up bidding on the wrong property and buying a 120-year-old derelict house in Dunoon. It is so bizarre, it's such a funny story, uh, but these guys are amazing and uh, just looking at their Instagram, you will see how much effort they have put into this project over the past two and a half years. They're pretty much restoring a house from nothing. Uh, it's a total shell. They tell you about the project. I mean, they actually say that it should have been demolished, but the, the work that they've put into this and the amount that they have learned, it's a really interesting story and an interesting interview. So without further ado, we will just transition to the interview with Claire and Cal. I hope you enjoy. So delighted to welcome Claire and Cal on the Scottish Property Podcast. Thanks very much for being with us, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, good. Thank you. And I've got to say that's a nice backdrop there. Uh, you're joining us here on Zoom from Danoon. At first, I thought it was like one of those fake virtual backgrounds, but it's not. You're actually sitting outside. So that's your uh, caravan. Is that your house, your home at the moment, is it? Yeah, that's the caravan we stay in. And then there's a bit of a sort of shanty rig outdoor kitchen on the back of it as well. Cool. I'm really excited to get into your story, guys. Like it's, um, I've been following you for a little bit of time now. And the first time I saw you actually popped up on my uh, newsfeed, like it was a press article. And really what took my interest was you bought this property at auction by accident. So really, we're going to get into that story later on, but can you just reel it back to, uh, judging by the accents, you're not from Scotland originally, so how did you guys meet? How did you come together? How did you end up in Dunoon? Can you just give us a quick background? Yeah, so Cal and I met in the French Alps. Both of us were working there for a season um, and spending as much time as we could skiing. Uh, in between working a bar job and you were a handyman at one of the chalets um, and yeah it, things kind of went from there we we did some road tripping together after that and a second ski season so life was always a bit of an adventure which was a bit of a foreshadow to what we took on a little later um, but I had um, gotten into medical school in Glasgow so we were planning on making the move to Glasgow and we thought it was a good opportunity to maybe um, flip a house or do something in property while I was at medical school. Um, I've decided against going to medical school because the tuition fees were too high for international students, but that's kind of what took us in the direction of Scotland and Glasgow. Cool. I mean, that's interesting what you're saying about the ski seasons, because like that's what I did when I was about uh, when I was 18. I left and I did three seasons back to back. So um, that, that brings back a lot of memories. That that <laughs> lifestyle. I ended up in the three uh, three valleys. It was a great time of my life. Absolutely loved oh, yeah. it. Yeah. We were just, we were in the plan, just like you can yeah, you just can across see the, the hill. Three valleys, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was it was incredible. It was such a fun experience. Yeah. Was that yeah. all right with the helicopter? That, yeah, that... that's absolutely fine. Adds adds yeah. to the back, adds to the uh, yeah. the yeah, totally no problem. So if anyone's listening at the moment, uh, the guys are sitting outside their site in Danoon. 
So we can hear a little bit of the birds tweeting in the background. So it's, it's nice. Um, so, okay, guys. So you ended up in Glasgow. Uh, obviously, I want to bring you on to your actual uh, purchase, the, your property purchase. And there's a really interesting story behind that because you actually bought this property by accident. So, Cal, do you want to go into a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, well, that, yeah, it was my bad. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, the, the, I was supposed to bid on a two-bed uh, fire damage flat in Glasgow, in Pollock Shields East. Um, and yeah, there was a bit of a, I had a bit of a mix-up with the lots. It was, it was supposed to be the last one I was bidding on. And then they sort of threw in this extra, extra lot last minute. So it wasn't in any of the paperwork or in the brochure. So I'd been sort of struggling a bit uh, to keep up with the Glaswegian accent. And the fast talking auction. Yeah. Auctioneer. And then they had like a screen up, but that was running delayed. So <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, like what's going on the next lot? And then everyone does this thing. There was only like a few that like everyone bid on. And it was one of those, but everyone does like a soft bluff, like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want it. So I was just like, all right, I'll get, get us going, stuck my hand up. And nobody else bid. And I sort of quite quickly had this moment of realization that, I, yeah, I put so my hand up property. a bit premature. So, like, so you were in the room, right? In the auction room, this was like not an online auction, or this was That's in the correct. room. Yeah, it was in, in the room. Yeah. So you just got a bit like confused, a bit dis disorientated with what was going on, like. Yeah, pretty much, and just sort of like stuck my hand up, and then you know the gavel <laughs> fell, and <laughs> that's legally binding. So. And, and this was the first ever purchase and property you've ever ever bought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're pretty much breaking all rules here. So like we say to everybody, right, uh, make sure you go and like view the property first. Make sure you read the legal pack at the auction. So you guys just like didn't do any of that. You just went straight in blind. Wow. So no. we actually Yeah, had... we did we did loads of research for the for the flat we were supposed to bid we on. We did a site <laughs> visit for the flat we were supposed to bid on, bid on, we did a site visit. We knew that the upstairs and down, the unit above it and below it were in use. So the building couldn't be structurally too, too bad, bad, yeah. bad off. And we had borrowed a friend's drone to check out the roof. Um, a, you'd done a bit of uh, talking to neighbors and people in the area to get a better sense of the property. Yeah, like I've gone and we slept. kind of did everything I correctly went... and then bid on the wrong unit <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> oh, actually, see what's interesting there. I actually saw the original uh, lot that you guys were supposed to go for. And uh, I think I've done a video on my YouTube channel when that was in the auction because it was a guide price of like £10,000 or something, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So, so it was. Guide price is this the the property we ended up buying. Um, right. The difference was that pr property ended up going for eighty thousand. Eighty seven. Yeah. 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 So I think they had put a low guide price on purpose to get everybody in. Like yeah. a marketing, it was a marketing tactic, right? So you you see yeah. that quite a lot. And um, now describe to us that moment in time where you actually realised that you'd purchased the wrong property or you'd you'd successfully bid on the wrong property how did that like how did you realize well the fact that nobody else was bidding was like clearly a red flag <laughs> um and then there's the screen caught up eventually like the delayed screen and came up with like a an, a b or a c or something instead of just the number uh and the guy i sat next to turned and said to me 
He's like, have you seen that place? <laughs> uh, and you're like, yeah, so, oh, you're like, oops, right, okay, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, so I sort of kept kept very quiet for the for the last lot and kind of snuck out the back door <laughs> before I was asked to sign anything or, you know. Put, the, 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 when did the panic set in and when, and did you have a plan for raising the finance to purchase the property that you actually accidentally bought? Sorry, say that again, please. Did you have a plan for how to? Sorry, when, when did it? Yeah. yeah. When did it, when did the panic set set in? And was it a plan? For oh, so. I mean, yeah. At the time, it was kind of like, uh oh, yeah. So kind of snuck out at the end of the auction, um, and then I was sort of sending. Claire's got still got them on her phone. Like she was back in Canada at the time, and there's like a string of messages. My my battery was about to die, so there was like a. Claire, I think I've been on the wrong thing. Can you have a look at it? And then a couple of minutes later, like, Claire, can you look at the house I bought? <laughs> like, is it worth it? It's more like, and more know. panicked. And then my phone was dying. So I was just like, right, I need to go get back to the back because I'd like parked out of town and got the train into town. But I mean, at the time, I wasn't even too worried about it when I heard you bought the wrong property because we had spent, it was £10,000, which... Yeah. To me, £10,000 for a piece of property just really didn't sound like a terrible thing. Like how much could it be? Even if it's and, really bad, how much worse And could at it the be, time, you know? I kind of thought... we. So my dad and I looked at the property and it said upgrades throughout. And it had a 10-year-old photo that managed to hide the fact that the bay window was partially collapsed. And... So the pro- the property didn't look bad in the booklet, and we went, ah, oh, we've just bought it for ten thousand. Um, it's not that bad. How how bad could it be? Um, and we only realized once we got here just how bad a state the building was. And, in. and what what was the, what was the property? Because it was certainly different from the two bedroom flat that you originally went to purchase, wasn't it? Yeah, very different. So we ended up buying a quarter of a derelict. A Victorian villa that had laid empty for 30 years in Danoon, Scotland, which is uh, an hour train ride and a ferry outside of Glasgow. So very, very different from our two-bedroom flat in in Glasgow. <laughs> so it's just class. By the way, Cal, how far did you get when you decided to exit the auction room, like, <laughs> and sort of do a runner? How far did you get out the the, the kind of city centre of Glasgow before you sort of realised that oh, actually, this actually might be all right? Did you? <laughs> so, so I I left my left the van like out of town and got the train into town. Right. Um, I just said, yeah, like hate driving into city centers and stuff. I don't think it makes any sense. But because my battery was dying, I was like, right, I need to get back to the van so I can charge the phone. So I can actually see because my phone was like so nearly dead and like I couldn't get up. Like it doesn't work too well. Um, so I was trying to get up like the, the lot number that I actually bought on the website to actually see it. And then like the phone died. So yeah, I like desperately got back to the van, like plugged it in and then like <clears throat> started getting messages back from Claire and but yeah, we just kind of thought like, you know, at that very bottom end of the market, like surely you can't go that wrong. Like even if it's, even if we can't do it up, surely it would sell for about what 
we paid for it anyway kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, cool. And then obviously they then want the 10%, don't they, straight away? So did they like start phoning you up saying like, you'd obviously registered your details. Did they start asking you for payment then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I was, so I was sort of trying to keep quiet, like not answering the phone. Um, but then we had a bit more of a look at it and I was talking to Claire and her dad back in Canada um and we were just like let's we'll just go for it so yeah. i rang him back up and said yeah like yeah we'll go for it we'll take it <laughs> but I, I mean in my head like we could have you know not bought it but i, I, yeah, I, I think that wouldn't have been so easy anyway no i think it's i mean it's legally binding and they would have been after us for the cash i mean yeah. we we knew we had to buy it um yeah. and then see like what initially got you i mean you guys said you quite fancy doing a flip so what initially kind of got you interested in that? Have any of you got any uh, background experience from, from property side or have you watched programs that kind of inspired you to do this thing originally? I mean, I'm sure programs had inspired it to to an extent, but... I mean, yeah, I'd done quite a lot of building work over the previous like 10 years kind of thing. Uh, my dad's a builder and he'd kind of trained me up a bit. But yeah, we, I mean, we just kind of fancied it and thought it's... You know, we've been doing, we've been sort of like traveling and doing the ski seasons and we kind of, we we're having like a great lifestyle and stuff, but we kind of felt like a little aimless and we sort of wanted like a bit of a project to sort of something to focus on, something to work towards, a bit yeah. of a goal, you know. And so we were looking for something that would be about, you know, six months to a year project and something manageable for a first time flip. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's absolutely not what we ended up with. <laughs> right so describe it the minute yeah. like so that that first day where you turned up at Indonin uh to see your new ten thousand pounds purchase and you you rocked up at the front uh garden gate of the presumably the gardens were like totally overgrown just describe what went through your head and what you saw so you know one of the things that actually made us think oh let's just do it let's go for it uh with the flat was we went onto sort of Google Street View and we're having a look at like the houses next door and there's like a real beautiful view from down the road and there's like five of the same house more or less built and we're like oh they have it like really nicely kept and they look really beautiful uh so we'd been walking along and like you said like on Google Street View that you couldn't see the house apart from from one little spot it's just sort of super overgrown so we knew like when we found it I came with a friend first while Claire was still in Canada when we found the house we knew straight away like that was the one you know and i guess i had like butterflies or whatever and then we sort of parked up the van and like found a way through like the thick of all the bush uh round to the back of the house and away in the house and yeah i mean it was a bit overwhelming to be honest like uh my friend got a really funny picture of me and i'm just sort of gormously staring at the the chaos that was the house the, the house was an absolute wreck i mean when i saw it for the first time um the, the roof had obviously been leaking for a very, very long time. Um, it was raining, you know, just as hard inside as out. And it seemed as though every single timber in the building was rotten. Um, and it, I it mean, was. it turned out to be the case. Um, and, you know, the front wall of the bay window, or the front wall and uh, a section of bay window were literally teetering and on the verge of, full collapse really so they had yeah. they had really come out and that was all from uh the walls not holding up the roof anymore and the roof putting too much weight and stress on the front wall um it was really in a, 
a state of yeah i would i would advise anybody who's listening to this just now go back and look at look at these guys their blogs so they've got a blog uh, uh so it's like what have we done in, right what have we yeah. done dot com uh dot uk and we also have the instagram and the instagram so basically uh, Cal and Claire have documented the whole process from start to finish. So if you go back, like I went right back to start, like, and obviously you've got day one, you know, you standing there in front of the building and that, and it's just really interesting to see the whole uh, transition of what you guys have done. So that will give listeners a really, you know, a visual idea of what you came face to face with. So from like, you know, people who have got, you know, I know Cal, you say your dad, your dad's a builder, etc. but you know, you've got limited experience in, you know, developing property and that. So when you came face to face with us and you realized that pretty much you're dealing with, you know, a total rip out back to brick, you know, everything was rotten. Um, you know, like how did you then sort of make a plan and sort of progress? Did you get professionals involved or how did that whole thing work to get the plan? Well, I mean, the, for the first six months, it was really a roller coaster, and the plan was just constantly changing. So initially, I'd been on one quarter, and then we bought the second half like immediately afterwards because that hadn't sold at the auction. Mm-hmm. Ah, right, okay. Six months was like the process of trying to get the other half of the building, and there were so many like ups and downs and twists and turns. Yeah, we had a mystery owner of one of the units <clears throat> who turned out to live in America because there's quite a uh, a large uh, American history in this area from the American military base being here back in during the Cold War era. Um, so it took, you know, the best part of six months to find that owner. Uh, and it it was <coughs> quite difficult to, to acquire the whole building, wasn't it? Ah, right. So just to be clear, you bought the, you originally it was just a flat, like, what was it yeah. like? How many bits of the building was it, there? four apartments in the building and we had bought one of them on on accident at the auction and uh right. spent the next six months basically doing damage control and trying to get the rest of it because we knew we were better off having the whole building whether that meant selling it on as one building to another developer or knocking it down and selling the property or carrying on with it i mean we were always better off so initially initially we thought that we were going to do like our half of the building with another builder and like Mm. there was just so many different things and it kept changing and evolving so we there wasn't like a super strong plan for the first bit no but then once we got that fourth piece that was about sort of March 2019, the following spring. Yeah. And then everything really, we felt like then, you know, even if, if we wanted to, we could have, you know, cut a loss. Well, we could have made money, made money then because we'd amalgamated all the different units and made it one property. But I think that six months had also given Cal the time to really have this spark, his, his imagination and interest. And within those six months, I mean, I was so overwhelmed by it. I've, I didn't even know what a gable end was. I had n- I had no clue what a what a building looked like. I hadn't even seen lath behind plaster before. So yeah. I was so overwhelmed and Cal just kept saying, "Claire, it's just sticks and stones." Claire, you were totally overwhelmed with this whole thing and then, yeah. you know, Cal was like, "You know, don't worry, like at the end of the day it's just sticks and stones, you know, what's the worst that it can be?" Um, so yeah, I mean, like what extent, you know, did you have to go to sort of thing? Yeah, from there, I think the first thing we did was get a structural engineer in, um, and 
his professional advice was to knock down the building, which I think, at the, I mean, it was good advice. I think um, it, he, <laughs> it would have been very unprofessional of him to say, so go for to it. tell, you know, two young adults who had no experience building, like building anything of the sort yeah. to take on the project. But we also did make it pretty clear to him that we were going to fix it. So he gave us all the steps we needed to take. He was really helpful, wasn't he? he? Yeah. Yeah. And he brought, so he was a cool guy, but he'd brought, like his boss had wanted to come along for the ride. His like, used to, so where were they based? Was it Glasgow? Like they came from a bit of a way, didn't they? Yeah. And they were like, oh, it's a nice day out to Danoon. And then, so like the sort of, um, the director of the like the company wanted to come along for the day and like yeah he was he thought it was great but he was like really knock it down but <laughs> so so basically from like i mean we talked to a lot of like you know property developers and all that who are basically from the outset they're just totally you know they base their decisions on the numbers and it's all about you know financial sense what makes financial sense now what you're saying there is from a financial point of view and and you know if you were selling that to make money or whatever then probably the wise thing to do would be just to demolish it but you guys had an emotional attachment to it or like why did yeah. it wasn't it's also a unique situation yeah so i think for any normal but like property developer financially it would make sense to knock it down and build it again but that wasn't you know you'd need like a fair bit of capital and stuff to do that whereas we were coming at it whereas you know we didn't have the money to like just put up a new house and like you, then you have all your costs come at the same time and you need, whereas we've been able to sort of trickle fund it and like fixing it as we go and then, you know, work a little bit and then tackle the next thing. And property developers are usually very time sensitive, whereas we were very rich in time and poor in cash. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to put it in perspective, we had 20,000 that we could, spend on the house when we started the project we knew that was absolutely not enough to restore the building but um we we also knew it would take a long time and that would mean we could trickle fund the project yeah and that you know we had our our own labor yeah that was the resource we were rich in if we had if we had done this project and restored this house um, paying laborers and tradesmen to come in the house we wouldn't make it us, wouldn't be economically viable it, it would be a financial liability <laughs> yeah <laughs> it only makes sense just sort of doing it in our own time we decided to make an experience of it and it's really not your typical uh property development no what age are you guys again so i'm 29 and i'm 27 and we were 24 and 26 at the time when we bought the place okay and naive and young really but you've got obviously you've got no ties you've got no kids you know you're you're you know limited in terms of uh you know like a lot of us who've got families that there's just no way that you could probably do that but you've decided to i mean you're am i right in saying you're you're living in the caravan how long you've been living in the caravan yeah two and a half years now we've been in the caravan um wow through the winters as well through the winter yeah that's the tough bit it's lovely when it's all sunny like today wow that is hardcore guys that is really hardcore stuff so like (laughs) so you decided to tackle this yourself right i mean obviously you don't have a huge amount of money so you can't just go and get builders and and all the rest of it so you know in terms of like learning like how to do everything because i see you guys pretty much built the whole roof yourselves and you know everything 
all this major stuff, which is like, I mean, that's quite highly skilled stuff. Doesn't, I mean, I know how to do like basic, you know, basic DIY stuff and all that. And I've been developing properties for a while and dealing with property, but you know, doing that sort of stuff, putting in new joists, woodwork, walls, pointing, stonework, all the rest of it. How did you guys, did you have family that came and helped you? Did you go on YouTube? How did you learn? I mean, YouTube was a massive part. Um, <clears throat> and then also just like through talking to people, uh, like family, friends who have like experience in the trades. But YouTube as well definitely has been an incredible resource yeah. uh, for so many different elements. And like I've been working on the plumbing and electrics and like it's been so helpful for that as well. And it's amazing what you can what you can learn just out of necessity. And we were put in, I mean, originally we thought we'd get somebody in for the roof. And, you know, when we were quoted 40,000 pounds for a new roof, which was double the money we even had at the time, um, we just knew there was no other way to do it, but do it ourselves. And I think once you're put in a situation of having to do it, you just find ways to get it done, don't you? Yeah, or like not even just with the sort of hands-on thing. So Claire like managed to learn CAD in the space of a, about a week so that we could save a thousand pounds on the structural engineer's drawings. Uh, so there's just been like so many different elements to the project where we've learned not just like the sort of hands-on skills as well. Yeah, that's cool. So can you give us a typical like day in the life then, you know, like obviously you're living on site there in your caravan, you know, how does it, how does a typical day play out with you guys? So it usually works out. I'll usually get up and then we've got like this little outdoor kitchen in the garden. I'll walk around, you know, make a cup of tea and then the window from the caravan like opens into the kitchen. So Claire gets her cup of tea in bed. Yeah. Sometimes a little bit of breakfast. Sometimes yeah. two cups of tea <laughs> before you yeah. cook. Yeah. And then, and then we just sort of, you know, make have a, a plan. Yeah, we have a you know a task we want to get done that day on the house, and we just sort of break it up into little tasks so that it's like manageable, you know, because there's just so much to do. It's, it's yeah, it's it'd be been. overwhelming if you can't like just be like, okay, this is my job. Just chip away at it. And just do what you can. Yeah, it's always been a bit by bit pro process hasn't it we've always said rome wasn't built in a day and, and nor was james with and if you think of it too far ahead think too far ahead and too far down the line it gets really overwhelming so you do have to just yeah. take it on i, I would think like mental time. mentally right just mentally to keep that like focus and that uh, motivation that must be so difficult because there must have been numerous times where you've just kind of thought oh i just can't be bored with this like, let's just sell the place, or let's just give up, or let's just, you know, can you can you think of any real kind of low moments? In, in your we've, we've definitely had some down times. And like, I think this year, especially being being here all winter, sometimes it had been, you know, in the previous years, we'd, you know, gone away and seen family over Christmas and taken a bit of time off. But with COVID this year, we like, we was just sort of stayed here and yeah, it did get a, it did get a bit tough to to stay motivated. Like you know, it's just that's just one of the things of life. But I think it's been quite phenomenal how few of how little it's been like that. We've, yeah, we've really just been you know trying to enjoy the process as opposed to just being entirely focused on the end result to be you know, enjoy the thing of building our house together rather than just having a house. And I mean, Cal is so driven 
I've never seen somebody who can wake up every morning at six and or at seven in the morning and just jump out of bed and get on with things. Um, and you've been a real driving force in, you know, getting up, having the gumption to do it every day and to drag me out of bed to do it as well. Yeah. Um, and in so, terms, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. In terms of that relationship as well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not easy, but, you know, like, I mean, who kind of like, I mean, do you kind of like, who's the boss then? Who makes the, the, the decisions or is it all joint? Do you know what I mean? I think we so have a joint. Yeah, I think we have a pretty good partnership. And, you know, we, I think, you know, the key to like a good relationship is like the other one having the quality that the other party lacks. And I think we do quite a good job at like, keeping everything pretty balanced and yeah you I know mean, we both put in a lot um and I think we both appreciate what the other person does as well yeah like Cal doesn't worry about things and just kind of gets on with them which was really helpful for some of the structural work at the beginning of uh, our build when we were taking on really nerve-wracking pieces of the project like replacing huge stone lintels that are you know heavier than we are um and pulling them out of standing bay windows and hoping the bay window continues to stand and lifting our roof off the front wall so that we could fix that front wall those are sorts of tasks that i think i worry a lot more than cal and i do a lot more research and if i can't i mean especially with lifting up a, a roof from the house <laughs> you I, didn't like that one did i didn't you? like it because i couldn't google it and i could only find examples of people doing that on little sheds not whole houses yeah. um so i think the fact that you just get on with things has been really helpful but there's also been occasions where my research and being a bit more careful has also really been helpful to the project oh absolutely <laughs> and like i'm terrible with bureaucracy so claire is doing all the building control applications and all that side of things. And I think left to my own devices, I would have just tried to declare it as an independent country. <laughs> For me, that would be easier than doing a building control application. Yeah. And I think we've been so lucky because there's been so many days where we wake up in the morning and go, today's the day we're chainsawing an old Bresma beam. But you didn't like that to one try, <laughs> You know, to try taking it out. And, you know, we've got the responsibility of, <clears throat> Uh, all our volunteers and friends and family who are helping us as well and responsibility for their safety. Um, and yeah, we've been really lucky. Um, and I, I touch wood, no major accidents yet. Yeah. yeah the, the last one that I seen was uh, Cal had done all the, the plumbing and uh, you were ready to pressure test all the joints. So you filed up the plumbing system and uh, there was a leak or something, wasn't there? You just put down all the new chipboard flooring. Yeah, there, there was a stop end. So we had to put stop ends where all the radiators would go. Um, and one of them just wasn't put on properly. And it popped off the minute the system was pressurized. And uh, thankfully, I, we were really quick to turn off the water. But it's still, it was, yeah. it was a lot of water to go on our fresh new chipboard. <laughs> but the fresh chipboard as well, I mean, that stuff just turns to like Weetabix if it gets much... Uh, <laughs> Exactly. Much water. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys doing this full process as well while you're doing this project? What was that? Are you guys both working while you're doing this project? Yeah. So we, as as I said, we had to trickle fund the project. So it's come from a, a variety of a variety of sources. Yeah. Um, our 
Instagram and some collaborations have brought down the price of some amazing building materials. And we've had uh, amazing support from our GoFundMe. Um, we've also been working, I worked uh, up until COVID, I was working uh, in a uh, doing bartending in the evenings as, as well as our full-time um, working on the house and Cal takes on carpentry contracts. So we're, yeah, we are, this is our full-time project is yeah. the house, but we're continuing to find trips and drabs, yeah, find places. <laughs> Just keep the wheels exactly. turning basically. Yeah. We've even done, I mean, rhododendron picking in the winter, all sorts of jobs, tree planting, anything <laughs> that we can think of to get some money in for the project. I want to talk about the social media side of it in a, in a little while, but just before I get onto that, um, just a little bit about the kind of time scales and, you know, like, I mean, obviously you never anticipated COVID and everything being locked down and shut down and not being able to get materials and rising cost materials and all that. So that I'm sure that'll be changing all the time, but yeah, have you got a kind of rough idea of when, you know, this will all be finished and you'll be able to, you know, get it? Yeah, so I mean, our, our general plan is to unofficially move in in October. So I promised Claire she wouldn't have to spend another winter in the caravan. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's not good. It's going to be a long cry from like the finished products. It's just it'll be warm and it'll be dry and it'll be bigger than the caravan. And you know, we can make ourselves comfy. What kind of heating um, system are you putting in there, by the way? Uh, so we're going to get like a big, you know, big uh, unvented cylinder and have one big furnace for the whole unit. Yeah. For the whole, sorry, for the whole building. And it is going to for initially run off mains gas with the idea of, you know, our five-year plan is to add some renewables in there and some technologies that'll uh, bring the efficiency up and make it as green as we can afford to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah. one of your, um, you know, hopefully one of your uh, like uh, material providers to sort of say, oh, we'll provide you with like a, an air heat pump or something like that, that'd be quite good. <laughs> I mean, that would be amazing. If there's any uh, Scottish <laughs> air heat pump suppliers that wanted to support the project. Yeah, we've got exposure <laughs> if you want that. <laughs> yeah, too, right. I mean, that, that's what's one of the things that really interested me because you're doing obviously collaborations and stuff with yeah. uh, different brands and that through your huge following on Instagram. How many followers you got on Instagram? Uh, it's almost 200,000 now. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, that obviously shows you that people have just bought into your story. I mean, did you like come with like, I mean, with, with your previous, like, did you have a, a large following beforehand or was all this just generated from this project? Instagram or? was never part of the plan. Um, right. We set it up for our family mainly my parents who kept wanting pictures of the house um and yeah and i mean you can see the first six months even to a year into the project we were still taking really horrible quality photos unedited yeah we didn't know what we were doing it was on claire's mum's old phone so the phone was like best part of 10 years old and the, the lens was all scratched up so everything was all like blurry and like yeah, we didn't we didn't know how to Instagram, but um, the story kind of I mean, it kind of took on a, a creature of its own, didn't it? Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. The story just like I don't know. It's a funny story. And like, I think yeah. especially this year has been kind of quite down. 
I guess. And it's like a positive sort of happy story. So so the media loves taking yeah, it and running with it, don't it, they? It's really like sort of done the rounds, you know? And so we kind of accidentally grew this huge following and have decided, you know, to to make the most of it and share our story. And we've created an amazing supportive online community. Honestly, we've, we have people that have been watching us from the start and just the support is incredible. It is incredible. I can't describe it to you. And when you say support, I mean, like, obviously you're talking about, you've set up the, the GoFundMe and that. So you know, that's where people can just donate. Like, you know, I've seen people donating 10, 20 pounds, just like random mm-hmm. anonymous people, like just because they probably just want to see you get moved in and not spend all winter in the caravan. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And the support has gone, you know, beyond that. Just p- people give us the most incredible messages. Um, and, you know, it means the world when somebody takes some time out of their day to, to DM us or email us to... Mm-hmm say you know we we took on a project uh, and it reminds us of you guys you know back in the day or or say things like oh we've you know we've been inspired to take on a project because of you guys that one kind of scares me a bit i don't want to encourage people to do it like (laughs) don't take on something as big as this definitely do your research folks yeah how much would you say you've aged in the last like two two and a half three years like in terms of like real years like in terms of i mean i've started getting my first grades yeah yeah (laughs) we've definitely put on a couple years haven't we (laughs) interesting it's, yeah it's uh, I mean, stressful how, how but have you been, obviously you guys you know been out with you know scotland and Dunoon and all that how how's the kind of local community kind of taken to you i think that's been the sort of most important side of it like the because it you know it's on the high road everybody's sort of it was on a list as as an eyesore um and like a sort of ugly building and you know people have been coming in and like it'd been a bit of a den, I suppose. And people have been coming in, smashing things up and dumping things. And it'd been like that for so long. Like immediately the neighbors were like just incredible and really supportive because they were just so happy to see something like this happening. So one of the things that had happened with, uh, it'd been like bouncing around the auction again and again, and they were getting like two grand every time someone sold it, two grand every time someone bought it. And like when we looked into it, the history of it, like it just been bouncing around to two to three of the units been bouncing around for like the best part of 10 years. And they'd been deliberately mis-selling it to people, you know. So the people who we bought it from at the auction had actually tried to take them to court to be like this. You've misrepresented this sale. like You've deliberately missold this. Right. So, you know, it just been going on and on and cycling around. And then they sort of saw, you know, a young couple come in and, actually start doing something and start to see some change so like really early on like the local community really like took us in and that's been that's been amazing yeah we were so welcomed and so supportive and uh, supported and we really couldn't have taken on this project if the community hadn't made this feel like a home for us and uh, and that was so important for for the success of this project yeah i mean like i mean you must be pretty well known amongst the the i mean with two hundred thousand instagram followers as well you must be pretty well known i mean i know you've got followers from all over the world but um yeah that's it's actually been really helpful because uh, i mean it's uh it's a talking point isn't it and it's a great way to meet people in the community um people go oh you guys are the 
you know, crazy couple that took on that house. Um, and it starts a conversation and it's been a really lovely way to meet people. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's probably helped us a great deal in, um, yeah, becoming a part of this community. Do you have any idea at all how much like this whole thing is, is going to cost like at the end? Like, have you got a figure? Like, I mean, you must Uh, have an idea how much you spent already, but. Yeah. So I think so far it's hard to say how much exactly we've spent on the house, but we know in the past two and a half years, we've spent about 60,000, um, including living costs, um, to get to where we are today. And that includes the house. That yeah, in, what? Wow, that's. I don't know. I don't think. You're right. It doesn't. Sorry. Sorry. Do you guys own the full building just now? Then? Yeah. So we own the full full building. We have since the first six months. That um, must yeah. have been that must have been difficult tracking down. Did you have to go to land what, the what, land what, registry? What we. No, because it it wasn't so. It would, the last time it had been sold was before it was digitized, the land registry. So right. we'd have had to like pay somebody to go and check the old book, you know, and like. But the council helped us find out. Yeah, but then okay. they ended up putting it to auction, um, and the auction house was trying to get like double the fees off of us because they knew we wanted it. They kept oh. saying, "Oh, we've got other buyers lined up," and we just thought they were sort of bluffing. And then somebody accidentally bought it, and their their solicitor actually found us. Um, and he found the blogs. So Claire had actually started the blog so that people would like see that, okay, don't, you know, just not just to put people off, but kind of to put people off, but to make people aware of like the real state of the place because yeah. the auction house was selling it as like this idyllic property that just needed upgrading. Um, so yeah, so the, the, then the solicitor sort of found the page and contacted us and he was sort of saying to me on the phone, he's like, you know, I think they bought it without even seeing it. Like who would do that? You know, I was like, yeah, who, who, who would, would do, do such that? a thing? <laughs> And, they were, and he was talking about you. <laughs> talking about the people who had bought the fourth unit in the end. And then we had to buy it off them. It was all like quite complicated. All right. Yeah. But yeah, so we spent 40000 on buying the whole building. And we've spent 60000 including our living costs, um, over the past two and a half years to get to where we are. And I think, I mean, Cal, you think it'll take another forty? I think it'll take less. Um, 40 is like the... That's the, the very the top end. Yeah, like more. What, what size is the building to put it in perspective for listeners? Like, how big is this uh, property? What size? What size is the building? He's well, asking. One hundred and eighty square meters. But you're you're going to um, split that into three different sections so you're going to have like two on a holiday two holiday lets right and then you're going to have one sort of living quarter space is that right yeah yeah so so it, the house was it was actually built as holiday flats as three units uh and it was finished in 1900 um and then later on in the 30s the upstairs was split into two so we'd bought it as four units but we're, we're putting it back into the original three so there's one upstairs and then two downstairs um, but yeah, we're hoping to have the holiday lights open for for next Easter, really. Yeah, and I mean that decision was made because it's just the two of us, and it was far too big a property for us to heat and live in just for the two of us. So we never considered 
having it as one big family home. And we just financially, that wasn't ever an option as well. Like initially we thought, you know, if we, if we managed to do them up, then we could maybe sell the downstairs ones to sort of pay for the whole project. But we kind of fell in love with the place and we don't want to give it up. Yeah. And like part of the reason it had gone so bad was that because of all the split ownership. So we thought if we can keep it as one place, then it's like, you know, there's not going to be any issues maintaining it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so the holiday rentals will help us offset some of the costs of the build and make it affordable to keep the whole building because we are so attached to this space. I think after spending two and a half years and doing absolutely everything on the building, um, you do grow an attachment to it. It's not it's, it's not just the building as well, is it? It's like the surroundings, and yeah. the local people and like- We just love it here. Yeah, we've just really like found, found a home for ourselves. Yeah, and like, you know, I mean, what's next for you guys? Because I mean, you have the amount that you must have learned from doing you know, that full restoration, renovation, you know, right back to brick. You must know everything now about the fabric of a building, how to deal with with everything from start to finish, structural engineers, architects, all that stuff. You've learned all that stuff yourself. Um, you know, you've built this massive brand, this huge following. You know, what are you going to do now with all that that you've built over the last sort of two and a half years? It would be, I mean, it would be silly of us to not take these skills that we've learned because it has been such a huge learning curve um so we are excited to use those skills again um and i think we absolutely will take on another project at some stage but um we're gonna have to wait till we can afford it uh i don't think we'll be able to take out a mortgage anytime soon uh to do another place up but the world is kind of our oyster. I mean, once you have a bit of a passive income from the holiday lets coming in and a home base, we can take some time off to to en- enjoy ourselves and maybe we'll do up a van and go explore or yeah. do some more traveling. We have no idea. There's the world is yeah, there the there's endless possibilities, aren't there? But yeah. We do want to do something for ourselves and yeah, we work kind of, for ourselves. Yeah. So we've had like a toyed with a few ideas of like little businesses and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it would be almost rude not to do another project. Like we, like you said, we've learned so much. It's been such a learning curve. And we love it. Yeah. And it's just like the light. We really enjoyed the lifestyle, just kind of, you know, working for ourselves and stuff. Um I just, yeah, lot, I just think that, um, you, you, like you say, you've definitely need some time off <laughs> to recharge. Yeah. But um, I just think now that you've got this this huge following, I mean, we talk about it all the time in the podcast because people obviously, you know, they have a small pot of cash they start with. They use that up quite quickly. They then get to a point where they run out of money and then that's when they go to, uh, you know, private investor finance, you know, joint ventures, et cetera. Now you guys, with what you've documented, you know, and that track record and what you've achieved, you know, there's going to be no shortage of opportunities there if you ever go down that route. So listen, guys, yeah. like we're rooting for you and I hope you get in before Christmas and, uh, you know, I hope this time next year you'll be, you'll be making a few bob from the holiday lights as well. So it's a great story. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you yeah. so much for having us. Thanks for having us on. Just tell people yeah. where they can re- you know, reach out to you, tell people your Instagram website, all that. So you can find us and follow our story on whatwedonoon.co.uk or just whatwedonoon, you'll find Instagram. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we yeah we do daily updates or, or weekly updates on our progress at the house on our instagram and yeah join our community awesome guys thanks so much you better, get, get, back, you better get back to site and get on with your work <laughs> yeah. yeah plenty to do yeah thanks, thanks for thanks for getting us out in the sun this morning yeah <laughs> uh, it was great to, to be on the show it was a lot of fun yeah, so really interesting young couple there. Hope you enjoyed the interview. As always, if you want to head over onto our uh, Instagram, follow us there, join our Facebook group. And if you liked the interview, please give us some feedback. Uh, just take a screenshot 